now to what Brother um, Gavin said about Sister Josephine. She is responsible for my family's salvation. So, you know, ripple effect of what happened so many years ago in her life. And here I stand today because she witnessed to my uncle who witnessed to my mother who brought me to church. So, your faithfulness may not mean anything to you right now, but, you know, I can point back to what she did, I don't know how many years ago, more than 40 years ago, that she bought bread from my uncle's bakery and she invited him to church. Praise the Lord. He's so good and he knows and he sees and he directs us and no one is here by accident. No one is here by accident. If you would turn with me this this evening to Romans 13. We're going to read uh, verses 11 and 12 and we'll read Luke 21 and 36 as well. And then I'll just read First Peter 4 and 7. Romans 13, verses 11 and 12. And knowing that, and sorry, and that, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armour of light. Luke 21 and 36 says, Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. And First Peter 4 and 7, But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. With the help of the Lord this evening, I want to minister to you about situational awareness. Know the time. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, stand before you and this congregation tonight. And I ask you, Lord, that you would speak your word through me. Lord Jesus, that you would anoint what goes forward. I know your word doesn't return unto you void, Lord. I know what you have given me, Lord Jesus, and I pray, oh God, that, Lord, as I present the bread that you look, and I break it, Lord, that you would bless it, that the word would find its mark in our hearts tonight. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Situational awareness is our mental picture of what's happening around us. It involves observing and taking in information, details and cues from our environment, processing what we've observed and putting this information together to form an idea of what's going on and then using that information to predict what may happen next and how to respond to it. Everyone's mental picture is different because we all process information differently. The data we observe and collect is processed through filters such as our upbringing, our culture and life experiences amongst other factors. These all help influence how we perceive life and what is happening around us. Our mental picture may also differ as we all have different levels of situational awareness. 
Those, there are those with little or no situational awareness. Their focus on their surroundings is very narrow as they are primarily concerned about what they're doing. They're concerned about themselves. They're not alert to details or changes that take place around them because they don't affect them personally and therefore rarely even noticed if things have changed. Information is processed through filters. Their information is processed through filters of what concerns me and therefore decisions and actions and usually reactions are not very well thought out. Those who are practiced in situational awareness notice everything and have an eye for detail. Their focus on what's happening around is broad. They are not concerned, not, they are concerned not only for themselves but for the others around them. These people are able to notice every detail and change as it happens in their surroundings. They're able to process their observations clearly and predict wisely and act accordingly. These people make good secret agents and first responders. Even when we think we have good situational awareness and we're alert to notice the changes around us, we can miss something and miss something that is plain inside, especially if we're focused on something else. Situational awareness takes effort, does not happen naturally. The key is to remain alert, to notice changes around you, to take note of details, to be vigilant and on guard, to be sober, clear-headed and deliberate, to to broaden your focus on your whole environment. Those who practice situational awareness are not taken by surprise as they have anticipated change in their environment and they are mentally prepared to, uh, and ready to act. As Christians, we need to live in a, an alert state of situational awareness at all times. We are admonished in the word of God to watch and pray, be sober, be vigilant, to be diligent in the word, to be on guard, to be prepared, so that we may be counted worthy to escape all the things that are coming on the earth. From the time sin entered the earth, it came with a death, a death sentence on, on the earth and on all humanity. The wages of sin is death. Mankind was destined from that time forward for a life separated from God, from God as he who is holy cannot have fellowship with sin. Corruption like rust has been eating away to destroy all that God called good. The penalty for sin is death and the destruction of all that we know. There is no escape as the judgment cannot be retracted or revoked. However, it can be counteracted. There is a way of escape. Very early on in the history of humanity, God became grieved when he saw the wickedness of man and how great it was on the earth. Man had lost their way. They did what was right in their own sight. They they pursued their feelings, their desires, and their opinions. And this led to the earth being filled with violence. This is before guns and before bombs. Every imagination and intention of human thinking was evil continually. And yet, in the midst of all this wickedness and violence, 
life went on. People went to work. People got married. They built houses. They had kids. They lived life. And Noah feared God and lived and preached righteousness. And God noticed Noah's faithfulness and he chose him to reveal his intentions to. In Genesis 6 and 13, we read, Noah, he says to Noah, the end of all flesh is before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Judgment was coming. However, God had a plan for Noah and his family to escape. God gives Noah specific instructions on how to make the ark and the the specific materials to use. Noah was instructed to put rooms in the ark to cover the inside and the outside with pitch. This would waterproof the vessel. God told him to put a roof on it, told him where to put the window and where to put the door. The ark was to have three floors. Then God tells Noah how he was going to bring destruction. Verse 17, I'm going to bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh and everything that is breathing that lives on the land shall die. Noah, animals are going to show up. Bring them into the ark two by two. Sheep, cows, goats and birds, they'll come in by sevens, both male and female. Use the five extra pairs of these animals for food and sacrifice when it's all over. I believe Noah preached righteousness before he was told to build the ark. Everyone knew of Noah's convictions because he didn't take part in the same things they did. He didn't go for drinks after work. He didn't worship where they worshipped. He didn't take part in their wickedness or laugh at their jokes. So in the time that Noah lived, he and his family were different from the rest of society. Then he begins to build this ark. He clears the site. He starts purchasing materials and tools. He would have been very open about what was coming to those around him. But the concept of God was old-fashioned, even back then. Unaware of the situation at hand and the time they were living in, they continued as they had yesterday. The way of escape in Noah's day was a detail. The way of escape in Noah's day was a detail that was hard not was too hard not to miss. From the beginning to the ending, it was a huge project. It was right in front of them. Perhaps it was the first thing they saw when they left the house in the morning. Or the last thing when they left work at night and they failed to recognize the significance of this edifice that was being built in their backyard. They failed to recognize the critical time they lived in. Then the animals start arriving, walking through town two by two, not driven by men or rounded up by dogs and stopping in the area of the ark. Animals from all over, two by two, arriving and settling down, not wandering off, but staying put until it was time to be led into the stalls. Wasn't this a noteworthy detail? Wasn't, was everyone so focused on their life that they didn't notice animals walking through town, two by two, right through to the other side? Wasn't this noteworthy? The animals knew what time it was, but humanity failed to sit up and take note. Our situation awareness is weakened by inexperience, by distractions, by weariness and by fear. 
Perhaps their inexperience in their dealings with God caused them not to recognize the severity of their situations. They didn't recognize who God was and that he always does what he says he would do. They did not know enough about God to know they were grieving him and they didn't want to know and they didn't care. They had Noah preaching to them, telling them, warning them, but they didn't heed his warnings. They listened and probably thought, what a great sermon that guy could preach. But it didn't go any further than that. They didn't repent. They didn't get in the ark. They failed to realize and know the times they were in. Perhaps their situation awareness was weakened because they were distracted with other things. Instead of focusing on Noah, focusing on why Noah was building an ark and coming to the conclusion that there could be something to this, their focus, their attention was pulled away elsewhere. Life has a way of distracting us from the kingdom. The kids, work, the spouse, the house can all pull us away from being kingdom-minded. Then we have entertainment. Whether it's in our pocket or on a big screen, we have every opportunity to be distracted every moment of every day. Too much to do to pray today. Too busy to read my Bible today. Might make a church tonight if something else doesn't come up. Distractions. Perhaps they noticed the skyline changing as the ark grew and they marveled at its beauty. They had never seen anything as big as that before. Maybe we'll go check it out tomorrow, but tomorrow never arrives. Weariness is something else that weakens our situation awareness. The word encourages, encourages, sorry, encourages us not to be weary in well-doing. For in due season we will reap if we faint not. Sometimes we get tired of doing the right thing and instead of waiting it out, we faint. We give up. There had to be someone who believed beside Noah and his family. Perhaps they helped build. Perhaps they helped Noah move in. Perhaps they moved in. But because something didn't happen immediately, they got weary of waiting. Imagine if there were people that got tired of waiting. Their situation awareness, although sharp enough earlier on to make them realize that this was serious business, was weakened by their weariness in waiting. Then doubt creeps in. I know what Noah said, but would God really flood the earth? Would he really be that angry? Couldn't we appease him with an offering or something? Is all this really necessary? Do we have to muck out stalls again today? I wonder if they I wonder if they'll take me back at work. At least I can earn some money in the meantime. Can't we wait in the comfort of our own home? Weariness causes us to make decisions based on our comfort. When God calls us out of our comfort zones, escaping is serious business and there's no time for comfort. Imagine if someone got weary and left the day before the door shut. Fear is another disadvantage to our situation awareness. Fear paralyzes us and we're unable to make rational decisions and act on them. Perhaps there were those who feared being laughed at. Perhaps they feared what their friends would think or say if they chose to get on the ark. The information they had received about the critical nature of their environment was processed through the filter of fear. 
Getting on the ark made, na- made rational sense, but fear caused them to back out and not take the required action that would have saved their life. When all the animals were on the ark and Noah and his family had moved in, it would be seven more days before the door was shut. The temptation to run back to the house to grab one more thing would have been huge, at least for me. But I believe they stayed put. No one dared left the ark. Now they waited for God to do his part. Did the people notice the changes in their environment, the darkening of the sky, the wind picking up? Did anyone make note that Noah and his family went in and hadn't been seen for a few days? Did anyone have doubts that perhaps there was some truth to what Noah had preached? Did anyone notice how big the door was and there was no way that Noah could have shut it even with the help of his sons? Did anyone notice that detail? Did anyone ask the question, so Noah, how are you going to shut the door? Did did these details just fall, fall by the by because of their depleted situation awareness due to their inexperience or distractions or weariness or fear? Seven days after they settled in, the Lord shut the door. The day the people outside, that day, the people outside the ark got up in the morning and had breakfast. They got ready for work, for school, for an appointment. They went about their business. Someone was getting married. Someone was giving, was being given in marriage that day. Life went on regardless of the ark. And then the water came and it was too late. It's not every day. It's not every day you get a visit from an angel, let alone two. The angels of the Lord went, were sent to Sodom to warn of impending judgment and provide a way of escape for the righteous. Sodom and Gomorrah would be judged for their gross wickedness. Ezekiel 16 and 49 mentions the wickedness of Sodom to include pride, fullness of bread, which is gluttony, Abundance of idleness and not strengthening the hand of the poor and needy. They were haughty and committed abominations before the Lord. Jude 1 and 17 describes Sodom and Gomorrah as a place of gross immorality. Lot had some awareness of his situation. He was a righteous man living in amongst men who were immoral and wicked. While sitting at the city gate, as he did daily, he noticed the strangers coming to Sodom. Knowing how dangerous Sodom was for strangers, Lot urged the men to come and lodge in his home overnight, hoping to send them off early in the morning before the men of Sodom noticed they were there. After some convincing, the angels agreed and went home with Lot. The angels did not disclose who they were. It wasn't until they smote the men with blindness who came to abuse them did Lot find out who they were and what their business was in Sodom armed with that information that the angels had been sent to destroy Sodom for their wickedness Lot goes to warn his sons-in-law of the judgment coming to the city and instead of taking their father-in-law seriously they thought Lot was joking come on dad really this is Sodom Pleasure is a way of life. People can do what they like as long as they don't affect us. Although Lot and his family didn't partake in the sins of Sodom, they had become somewhat desensitized and accustomed to them. 
Lot's position in the city gate afforded the family prominence in society. Although Lot was already, prosper, was already a prosperous, prosperous man when he went in, to live to Sod, went in to live in Sodom, Sodom for all its faults had been good to them. Knowing the seriousness, the seriousness of the situation, Lot would have been grieved that his family wouldn't listen to what was coming. Perhaps it was the grief and love for his daughters and son-in-laws that distracted him, causing a weakness in his situational awareness. The cues were there. Angels were dispatched to save Lot and destroy the city. God doesn't do that every day. The urgency in which the angels spoke and their actions in waking them up at dawn to get them out of the city or perish with it, he didn't take any notice of that. He lingered. When reading verses 15 and 16, I have flashbacks to getting kids ready for school. And when the morning arose, the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him, and they brought him forth and, sent, and set him without the city. With his situational awareness damaged, his focus wasn't as clear as it should be. He wasn't observing the urgency and picking up the danger cues. He was too focused on the family he would leave behind and the possessions and the lifestyle he had worked so hard to gain. What was clear was that he wasn't getting the message. He didn't really realize what time it was. Finally, the angels grabbed them by the hand and dragged them out of the city limits and told them to run for their lives and don't look back. Lot's wife was distracted with all she was leaving behind. They had finally settled down. They had a home of their own. They didn't have to pack up and set up the tent everywhere they went. She had be become accustomed to some things. Perhaps she looked in longing for those things and perhaps her heart yearned for her daughter's and look back to see if they were following. Whatever the reason, feeling the heat from the brimstone falling behind her, even sensing it was dangerous, she looked back and became a pillar of salt. What started out as a normal day in Sodom and Gomorrah turned to ashes. People were getting ready for work, eating breakfast, getting kids ready for school. Perhaps they'd started work and were planting or building, preparing to go to market to buy, setting up market to sell, an ordinary day interrupted suddenly by the judgment of God. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. It will be an ordinary day. We will get up, we will eat, we will drink. We will go to work, we'll do dishes, we'll get kids to school, we'll pick kids up, we'll make dinner, get kids to bed, go to bed. It will be an ordinary night. Do you know what time it is? Are you ready? Just as sure as judgment was pronounced and dealt out in the wicked and violent days of Noah and on Sodom and Gomorrah, the ultimate judgment of God on this earth is closer than when we first believed. Our day, In our day, wickedness and violence are all around us. If it's not in your community, you can entertain it in your living room. In your lounge room, on your hell, on your, in your theatre rooms, on your handheld devices. Wickedness and violence are glorified in the media. 
The world we live in is desensitized to what is evil and calls it good. They're accustomed to it. It doesn't bother them. We see it in short, the short clips that people take of violence unfolding before them instead of helping someone out. Do you know what time it is? All around us, people are living self-absorbed, self-focused lives, driven by greed and material possessions. They're boastful and arrogant. They're revilers or abusers, whether that's physical, sexual or emotional. They're disobedient to parents. They're ungrateful. They're unholy and disrespectful. Have you noticed? There are those who lack natural human affections. There's truce breakers. People are malicious. They're gossips. They lack self-control and are immoral. They're They're brutal. They're haters of good. They are traitors. They are reckless. They're conceiters. They're conceited. They're lovers of sensual pleasure rather than lovers of God. They cling to a former religion, yet their behavior invalidates their claim to faith. Have you noticed? Do you know the time? What is your situational awareness? Are you alert to the environment you live in? Are you aware of the details? Have you noticed the change in human behavior? Have you noticed the changes in the earth? The scripture tells us that the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burnt up. 2 Peter 3 and 10. Scientists speak of global warming. This is an environment cue to take note of, to wake up to. There is nothing we can do to stop the judgment of God. And if global warming is a part of that, there is nothing we can do to fix it. No amount of protesting, no amount of government intervention, no amount of recycling or reducing carbon emissions will interfere with the judgment of God. In the last few years, we've seen an increase in volcanic activity and earthquakes. Our children have been taught at school that icebergs are melting and that islands are sinking. Fear-mongering? Perhaps, but things to take note of. The end is closer than we think. God has made his intentions known from the beginning. The prophets have spoken and written that we may know what time it is. Isaiah 34, 1 and 2. Come near, ye nations, to hear and hearken, ye people. Let the earth hear and all that is therein, the world and all the things that come forth of it. For the indignation of the Lord is upon all nations and his fury upon all their armies. He hath utterly destroyed them. He hath delivered them to slaughter. But there's still a way to escape. For God showed us his love in that while we were yet sinners, while we were doomed, Christ paid the penalty of death on our behalf. He paid our debt. But he did much more than that because by his blood shed on the cross in our place, he made us right just as if I had never sinned and been deserving of death, so that we shall be saved from the indignation of the Lord that is to come upon all the nations. That is the wrath that is reserved for the children of disobedience and those who rebel against God. Jesus said he was the way, he was the door, he was life with his debt and the debt of our sin paid in full, a door appeared. The keys were given to Peter that we may have access to that door. 
This door is the escape hatch. Peter handed us the keys on the day of Pentecost when he was asked, What shall we do? And he responded, Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and be filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in a language you've never learned as the Spirit gives you the ability. This opens the door. It opens the way to escape the judgment that's coming, to escape the penalty of sin. Those who look for him to call them up are looking for him to rescue them from the time of judgment that is promised. They know what time it is and that the hour draws nigh. There's no time for complacency. It is time to have a keen sense of situational awareness, understanding the times, understanding the events that are taking place and how close we are to the rapture of the church. The trumpet of God will sound and his people will be snatched up. They will be rescued. They will escape judgment. First Thessalonians 5, 9, 11. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should be together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. The ten virgins took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five were wise and five were foolish. Five practiced situational awareness. The other five did not. The five foolish were focused on the moment, focused on the excitement of a wedding. They were aware of the custom of the time that the bridegroom would arrive to meet the bride late at night. The bride's mood bridesmaids would then be required to meet him with their lamps to light the way to where the nuptials were being held. This was the custom. This was not foreign to them. It wasn't strange. However, it seemed that it was a detail they missed while they were preparing for the wedding. Their situational awareness was either weakened by distraction, the excitement of the wedding, or they didn't have any to begin with. Perhaps their inexperience caused them to narrow their focus on themselves how they look, instead of the broader picture. It seems they assumed that they would have enough oil because they filled their lamps. Unfortunately, they missed some of the details. They didn't know how long they would have to wait. They didn't think that their oil would run out. The wise, however, were on full alert. They observed their environment, the wedding and its customs, took in all the details and the cues, leaving nothing behind and processed all the information they had. They made a prediction and they acted on it. What if the bridegroom comes later than we anticipate? We need more oil. They had a strong situational awareness and although they took care to present themselves as the other bridesmaids did, they focused on the task that they were actually asked to do. They were prepared. They were alert to what could happen, could happen, and even if it, even if they were wrong, the oil wouldn't go to waste. But they weren't wrong. While they waited, it got late, and then it got very late, and they nodded off to sleep. And at midnight, while they were sleeping, there was a cry made: "Behold, the bridegroom cometh! Go ye out to meet him." And they all got up and trimmed their lamps, but the foolish found that their lights had gone out, that their lamps had gone out. 
they saw that the wise had extra and asked to borrow from them. But there wasn't enough to share. So the foolish ran off at midnight to buy some oil. It seems 24-hour shopping is not a new thing. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And they that were ready went in with him to the marriage. And the door was shut. It's time to practice situational awareness with a biblical perspective. We can't use inexperience as an excuse to miss the cues, to miss the details. We have the word of God. We have a preacher. We're able to read. We're able to ask. We choose to respond to the information we are given. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. Make it a priority to be in the house of God with the people of God. This is part of exercising situational awareness because the word says that we should get together every opportunity we get, especially as we see the day approaching. If you know what time it is, be in church. Don't be distracted. Set your focus on the things of God, on his kingdom, on his, pur- on his purpose. Jesus is coming. We must be ready. The end of all things draws near. Don't allow life, ordinary life, to distract you from the things of God and from spiritual disciplines. Don't allow family, don't allow your spouse, don't allow work, don't allow your marital status, possessions or entertainment to get in the way and distract you from the kingdom. Be aware, be alert, pray, watch, be vigilant, be sober. Don't let your situational awareness deteriorate because of weariness. Don't get tired of waiting for him. Don't get tired of living for him. Yes, it's easier to give into your flesh at times than to stick at it, but don't get weary. Any moment, any day, expect him. Yes, it's true. They've been saying for a very long time that Jesus is coming, but this is what I know. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. But he is long-suffering to us, would not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's still holding off. He's still keeping the door open. The door is still open today. Don't allow fear to cloud your situational awareness. Don't be afraid when you hear of catastrophic events that are taking place around the world. Don't let your heart be troubled. Take note. It's a sign, a detail. Jesus is coming. We must be ready. When people say, did you hear? You need to let them know. It's a sign of the times. Jesus is coming. He's getting ready to come to take his people out. Don't be anxious when governments pass laws that contradict the word. Jesus is coming. Use his observations of your environment as cues and let your mental picture be one of the rapture. When you see all these things, know that it is near, even at the door. Watch ye therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape. All these things that shall come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. We need to exercise situational awareness. It does not come naturally. We have to be deliberate. If we're not deliberate, we will be inexperienced. We will get distracted. Know what the time is. And then knowing the time that now 
It is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. It's high time to shake ourselves, to wake up, to see the signs around us, to take notice of the details, to mark the changes, to be ready. He will take those that have obeyed him, those who look for him, those that have kept themselves only for him. As Noah and his family got in the ark, get in the church, stay close to the church. The church is the escape vessel. When Jesus takes his church from the world, when the bridegroom comes, he will remove his influence from this realm. He will no longer draw. He will no longer save. He will no longer deliver. The door will be shut. There will be no other way to escape. He will come as a thief in the night. Why don't we stand this evening? No one knows the day nor the hour. But the signs are all around us. It will be an ordinary day just like yesterday and the day before that. When suddenly two will be in the field and one shall be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill and one will be taken and the other left. Hallelujah. There will be two people in a bed and one will be taken and the other one left. Watch therefore, for you know not what you'll you know the hour that your Lord doth come. But the all but the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. Do you know what time it is? Are you aware of your spiritual situation and where you stand with God? But when the door is shut, it'll be shut. It's final. There's no second chance. There's no second chance. I don't want to be left behind. I don't want to be left behind. These altars are open tonight. If you want to make sure that you're situational, that you're on high alert, that your situational awareness is keen to hear the voice of God, to know the Spirit of God, to know what time it is, to be alert and ready, then have oil in your lamp and be ready for the bridegroom.